to Get the Balance Right, a podcast for creative entrepreneurs who challenge the status quo. I'm your host, Heather Zeitzwolf, CPA. I'm on a mission to help and inspire visionaries to grow their firms with a keen focus on their triple bottom line. Join me for conversations with purpose-driven leaders, business disruptors, CEOs, and renegades in digital media, marketing, advertising, and design. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Get the Balance Right Podcast. I am your host, Heather Zeitzwolf. On this episode, we are joined by Jeff Mead, the founder of The Mead Company. It's a management consulting firm for small to mid-sized marketing and advertising agencies. Our topic today is positioning. It's the foundation of Jeff's approach when helping creative agencies grow. We talk about the importance of having a clear positioning strategy and developing an area of expertise. He helps his clients tap into their why by asking, what do you want to be famous for? We also dive into Jeff's fascinating past where he started a market research company. He saw a gigantic opportunity with hip hop and the urban youth market, which companies were completely underserving. All right, here's my interview with Jeff Mead. Jeff, welcome to my podcast. Wonderful. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Can you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and how you work with agencies? Absolutely. Absolutely. So I run Mead, which is a management consulting firm that works with small to medium-sized marketing agencies to help them scale their business. A little bit about me. I live in Dallas, Texas right now. Been here for about five years. I have three little ones, so when I'm not consulting, it feels like I am a part-time tutor. We're trying to figure out this at-home learning thing. (laughs) That's me for the most part. And how did you get into consulting? I took a very circuitous route. I started my own agency, which seems like a lifetime ago. I started a a research company. It was actually called Genie Urban Youth Experts. At the time, And this is far enough back that I remember at the time I was trying to prove to folks that there was a such thing as hip hop culture, right? Like we were researching (laughs) urban youth and and, and really trying to validate that, hey, you need to pay attention to this market. This is going to be big. Definitely dating myself there. But that's how I got into it. And what's funny at the time is I got into it thinking to myself, this is pretty easy because I was part of the market at the time. And I was in my early 20s and I said, boy, I took a very cocky approach to it. Like I I saw commercials on TV and I was like, boy, these guys putting together these ads are doing a horrible job. I bet I can do a better job. Not realizing all that it took to get into advertising or to make an ad. And so went down the route of, oh, I'm just going to launch an ad agency and spun my wheels there and said, that's that's probably not where I want to spend my time. So started doing started focusing on the research part of it. I said, maybe I'll give these folks better information so they can create better ads and really just positioning myself as that expert on the marketplace really grew the agency leaps and bounds. Back then, I didn't understand the importance of positioning, but that's what we were doing. We were the only game in town. If you wanted information on this marketplace, whether you were Levi's Jeans, who was one of our clients, or a college that was looking at this market to recruit them for your school. We were the only game in town. In many ways, we just developed a better mousetrap. There were tons of research companies out there, 
but none of them was focused on this marketplace. So that's how I got into it and then bounced around. After that, I uh, actually went back to business school and then went into another agency and grew that agency as one of the principals. So we, we went from three to 35 folks. And I often tell people what was exciting is not just going from three to 35, but we, we got up to about 25 million in, in sales. We really scaled the heck out of that business. And then I was like, boy, this is exciting. And I wanted to go small again. So started another research company. Once I went from there, I actually started doing research with a bunch of folks around the country. But one of my clients was actually on the East Coast and, and they brought me in-house. Uh, so I've been on the client and the agency side and now just really love spending time helping smaller agencies. My sweet spot is agencies that have about three folks to about 30, 35 folks. That's really my sweet spot. I, I like that place because that's what people are still trying to figure it out deciding whether they want to scale really big or, or just how to get more effective at what it is that they do. So that's my focus now. Hey there, this is Heather. I hope you're enjoying the podcast. And if you are, if you wouldn't mind, please hit the subscribe button now. That way you'll never miss an episode. All right, now back to the podcast. So I'm super curious is when you were doing market research, was the focus always hip hop or when you went in and out of it, what was the focus the second time around? Yeah. So the first time around, it was really just focused on urban youth. And I was watching at that time, I was watching BET. I was watching MTV. I was reading Source magazines, all the places that someone like me was looking to for entertainment. That's where I was going. That was really just focused on urban youth and, and really in many ways, it was either you're living in an urban area or a rural area. Or we were focused on urban, but definitely a heavy slant towards hip hop culture. <laughs> the next time I, I didn't go heavy into hip hop culture because the market was proven at that point. But what I did do was focused on millennials. I want to say it was Gen Y when I was doing it, but <laughs> they keep going by different names. But we focused on millennials and it was great because at the time I was living in Los Angeles there you had access to where entertainment was being created. A lot of my clients ended up being movie studios, a lot of the record labels. So a, a lot of the folks who are creating culture was looking to us for research to really validate what they were doing or where they wanted to invest their money. So I think the marketplace where I saw the white space in the marketplace is where I focused my attention both times. This is really fascinating to me. I used to yeah. I used to work in market research and I never worked on anything that was hip hop related. And I worked on a lot of projects. Uh -huh. um, when you were doing this urban youth and then you went into the millennials, was right focus groups mainly, or how were you collecting the data? Yeah, that's a great question. It was, so when we did the urban youth research, the way that we built the better mousetrap was, as I started to learn more and more about it, I was like, these messages that I see just aren't connecting with me at all. They were just bad. They weren't coming close. As I started to pick apart what was happening, when I looked at the research industry, I just saw a bunch of people who couldn't possibly speak to folks like me. And what I mean is everyone was doing focus groups in a downtown place and they'd invite you to a building downtown and say, hey, spend some time with us and we'll give you going rate was like $100 at that time. If you, you took someone out of their neighborhood and said, come down and talk to us, they're pretty much going to tell you exactly what they think you want to hear. 
that's what we were finding. And I said, this is awful. The better mousetrap part was really, well, why don't we just go to them? Why don't we go to their neighborhoods? Why don't we go to the basketball courts, the barber shops? So we were everywhere the customer was at, talking to them. I built what I had called the grassroots network at that point. It was a network of places all over the country. In many ways, what it meant was I had relationships with a bunch of youth coordinators at Boys and Girls Clubs, the YMCAs. They served as my recruiters to recruit kids in the community. And then I would still keep the facility fee in there. And so they would just get the facility fee. So lots of times I came in and just invested back into the community, would ordinarily go to a focus group facility. It was exciting and it was great going to people's homes. We did a lot of research in people's homes. And that's not that innovative now. When we did it, I had to hire a cameraman and he had a big camera. You know? And so it wasn't like we had iPhones that we could just go in people's houses. So it, it was a big deal. And What's fascinating is when we took this information, you can imagine when you're in people's neighborhoods. Uh, I remember being in Baltimore one time and, and we were interviewing these kids on the block. At that time, this was before that TV show, The Wire, came out, which is my favorite show of all time. Anything that you saw in The Wire is what we were experiencing. I remember having my back turned to the street and talking to these young men on the stoop. And they kept looking around and I was like, what's going on? And they said, hey, we just, we're just looking out for you. You're not from here. So we're just making sure you're safe. And, and so that really shows you how entrenched we were in the community and how much people cared for us. Like they were happy to be a part of this. They saw someone that looked like them that was almost this bridge to corporate America. And, and they were excited that their voices and their opinions were being heard. So it was super exciting. A lot, a lot of fun. Took me all over the country at a young age. Got to see different neighborhoods. It it was fantastic. I loved it. Wow, that's amazing. Definitely shows that you are an expert on positioning. So So let's just dive into that topic. Why is it that you feel that positioning is so important for agencies? And why is this sort of your focus that you choose to work with agencies? (laughs) Yeah. For me, I think positioning is where it all starts out. Positioning really clearly tells somebody, hey, either you're for me or you're not for me. And I think for smaller agencies, it's exactly what you want people to know right away. Just real clearly, if I meet you at a networking event, I want to be able to say, oh, wow, we could possibly work together. Or I can say, all right, I know exactly what you do. When I meet somebody, I can give you a referral. And that only happens if you're properly positioned. If you're not, if you come off as this jack of all trades and you say, we can do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. When I run into somebody and they're looking for something, you never come into my mind as somebody that I should refer because I don't know what you're really good at. You told me you could do a lot of these different things. But for the folks who are super specialized, uh, it's really easy to say, hey, I met this guy. He runs this great web design company. He told me he does this. I've never worked with him, but sounds like somebody you should reach out to, right? That's how connections get made. That's how referrals get made. So I think position is really just, it really clearly tells people who you're for and who you're not for. And, and that's really what you all you can ask for when you first meet somebody, right? So when you work with an agency, they need to drill down and figure out what niche that they serve. Is that something that you help them with? Or do you look at what type of clients they've already been serving? Or how does that come about? Yeah, for many people, it's, I find that a lot of agencies, when I work with them, 
and we've all gone through this. Uh, when you're a small agency that like with what I work with, you're usually in this position where you started a few years back, or maybe you're a startup to get yourself off the ground. Like the minute you've hung up your name on the door and says, I'm blank agency, you pretty much take in anything that comes through the door. If you never take a stance and say, we're just for these types of people, all of a sudden you look at your client list and you may have some really cool names on your client list, but there's no symmetry there, right? There's no specific industry. There's no specific category. And and that's fine because what you were doing was really just trying to keep the lights out and trying to validate to yourself and others that you actually do run a business. But then you fast forward two years or three years and you start saying, man, you've run out of referrals, right? Like you, you, you opened your shop and maybe your past employer, some of your friends referred you some business, but then you start looking at your pipeline and saying, man, how am I going to get over this first hump? Like when you first start, you have referrals so you can grow the business. Then you get to this point where you plateau. And to get to that next point, you actually need to have some position where you could tell people, hey, this is who I'm for. And so that's where I help people to get to that next plateau when they can really start to farm out. Hey, these are the type of people we're going for and and then really working on their positioning. One word you mentioned in there was, do you niche it? And it is creating your own niche, but I don't like using that word only because when we think of niche, we think of small. And for me, niche is really specialized. What I want people to do is specialized. I always use the analogy of in the medical field, you have your generalists and your specialists. When you go see your generalists or if you go to the urgent care places, usually you pick those folks because they are in your neighborhood or they're close to work. It's all about convenience, right? It's almost a commodity. But the specialists, if you're going to go see an optometrist, if you're going to go see a cardiologist, because of their expertise, you never shop them the same way. You'll always say, oh, you know what? I need to get a referral from my primary care, or I need to do my research and see who the experts are because I have a serious problem I need to solve. You start seeing the difference between a generalist and a specialist. We shop them differently. And for the generalist, we're shopping on price and convenience. And I feel like when you don't have the right positioning, then people start shopping you on, hey, is this convenient for me? And can I get this price down? Because if I can't, then I'm going to go over to the other agency that looks just like them and try to get the price down even more. That's why I think it's important for, for agencies to position themselves. Hey, entrepreneur, are you stressing out over your cash flow? Are you always confused by your bank balance? Well, you know what? You're not alone. Lots of business owners struggle with this, but you don't have to. I'm Heather Zeitzwolf. Besides being a podcast host, I'm also a CPA. I can help you get your cash flow under control so that it's predictable and so you're profitable. Learn how by setting up a discovery call with me now. All you have to do is click the link in the show notes. All right, now back to the show. Once they start to position themselves and they have like clients, then they can implement processes to make things move a lot quicker and they can actually be more profitable. Yeah. The minute you have your category, your industry down, what I start noticing is you have this pattern recognition. And what I mean is when you're working with like-minded organizations, they start having the same types of problems. And that doesn't mean when somebody starts talking, you just say, hey, I know exactly how to solve your problem. 
but it just means that you could set up processes because you're going to experience similar types of problems. You become more efficient, uh, more effective at what you're doing. And the more times you can see those patterns, what to expect and what to plan for, I think it really speaks to how you build your business. Because then, all right, who are the types of people I need to be recruiting? Who are the folks that I need to promote in my agency? It, it helps you answer so many questions. So when you do this positioning, are there certain questions that you go through with your clients to figure out, okay, this is how you want to position yourself? Yeah, yeah. There are there were the questions that kept me up at night when I was an agency owner. <laughs> there are the questions that I know keep lots of people up. And I think the questions involve like the at a simplest sense, it's who are our best prospects, right? If you go back to that scenario where I said, you start out as an agency, you'll get some referrals, you'll grow, you'll plateau. Once you plateau, where do you go from there? You can't keep going back to the same referrals. You start saying, who are our best prospects? I think that's one big question. You got to answer that with positioning. Then I think the other thing is really, what should we be doing more of? or less of? And that's really a question of where do we invest our time? Should we invest it over here or should we invest it in over here? In practice, this is, should I start a podcast? Should I be doing more thought leadership? Should I be finding places to speak? Just really figuring out where your customer is, but then you know where to invest your time. And then the other one I mentioned just now was around hiring. You want to, we're a people business. So I think the other question is who do we hire and then who do we promote? And then sticking with the whole business is what kind of partnerships do I need to reach this future state? Like whenever we talk about positioning, we say, who do we want to be? What is that future state going to look like? You can't do it all on your own. What type of partnerships do you need to get there? Whether that's the contractors you need to hire, membership groups you need to be a part of, but just really what partnerships are going to help you get there. And I think what I hear time and time again is what is our website going to say? When people come to your website, they need to know quickly and succinctly, oh, you're for me. You have experience solving my types of problems. The other question I throw in there is what sort of expertise do I need to cultivate? If you're a web designer, then how do you get better at your craft so that you can continue to be seen by your peers and potential clients as an even better web designer? Like, how do you keep pushing yourself? In our industry, we don't have certifications. We don't have licenses. There really are no barriers to entry, right? And, and so, so you, you have to prove yourself in so many ways. And so once you carve out your place in the world and say, hey, we're the best at this, or we have expertise in this, then how do you consistently prove it? How do you get better at your craft? And and is it thought leadership? Is it what you're doing here with this podcast? How do you get better at your craft so that you can serve your clients even better this year than you did last year? Like you want to keep getting better at your craft. It seems like with technology, especially people working from home now, and they see the ease of doing that everything is becoming more and more virtual. And you're not just competing locally anymore. Now you're competing all over the place. Absolutely. It seems like- Absolutely. And it's really hard to compete all over the place when you're a generalist, because the minute I see you as a commodity, next thing I'm going to do is try to drive the price down. Yeah. Gone are the days that you can just advertise in the yellow pages. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When when there was only a handful of people who did what you do. Right. 
it's it's scary because the minute you you carve out your expertise and people say see that there's value there then you have people copying you right it goes back to what's that expertise that you need to cultivate so the minute people are copying you how do you get even better at your craft like tr- people in the trades they find ways to get better at their craft through practice through repetition so what is it that we have to do to get better at, at what it is we do? Yeah. And, and everybody has a blog now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And I, I like to think there's a lot of featherweights out there that put out content. So meaning there's just, there's a lot of, we're awash in content. There's not a lot of good content. I, I could sit with my peers I think we did this in a conversation and we probably followed some of the same blogs. There's easily like a thousand blogs we could follow, but we probably shared like four or five that we do follow. There's the good content and then there's people just putting stuff out just to say they have a blog. When you work with your clients, uh, do you put together some sort of positioning strategy? Yeah, yeah, I do. It, It really is. And it always starts with, hey, I would say it has to be intentional and it has to be deliberate, right? Like you don't just fall into a positioning. In many ways, what I was doing when I started my research company, I think is essentially where I try to get people to go now. Anyone that saw us back then, we are a research company and we were focused on urban youth. If you were trying to reach me now, you would never go to that agency to reach me. That's just not what we did. Like we were so focused. And so the minute you heard about us, then you would dig a little deeper and say, I like what they do. It's what I'm looking for, but are they the right team for me? That's what I like to do. Then my first question after I do that is really just starting with the CEO or the leadership team or the principals, right? If you're a two-person agency, it's the owner. If you have 20 or 30 people, then you, you have a leadership team. But I like to ask them, what do you want to be famous for? I feel like that question gets you going, right? If you can ask three or four people on a leadership team, what do you want to be famous for? That drives a lot because no longer are you thinking about stuff theoretically. It truly is, what do you want to be known for? And I think once once you figure out what the leaders want to be known for, then it's a lot easier to back into what the agency should be known for. Because people love working with experts. We find comfort in working with experts, whether it's a lawyer, whether it's using my healthcare analogy. We love being with experts, give us comfort. Really just figuring out what do they want to be known for? What do they want to be famous for? It makes it so much easier to brand them and their brand creates a halo effect over the whole agency. We've seen it with the big agencies that have lasted 60, 70 years, whether those guys were known for being uber creative or whatever it is, they were experts and people wanted to work with them and the agencies have lived on since then. When you ask that question and they ponder it and then they come up with something really lofty, <laughs> do, do you back in it to it? Okay, now this is how we have to start from here to get there and then figure out how many years in between that is? Or Yeah, I- yeah, you're exactly right. It, it really is getting deeper because many people who do what I do in terms of agency consultant can go in there and say, all right, we're going to work on your new business development. We're going to get on the phone and call people or we're going to send out emails. I don't start there. I really want to start with what do you want to be famous for? Because it gives us a roadmap and we know what the end of the road looks like. We want to get there. Like you said, that usually then people are 
are free to dream. They create these big lofty statements in order to make that practical. Because what you don't want to do is you don't want to get people super excited. They're like, man, it was great working with Jeff. And then the next day they say, I don't know what to do now. (laughs) (laughs) So I bring that down. And then the next thing is, and this is borrowed from Simon Sinek, start with why. It's really why you in this business. So we start pulling it back. What Outside of money, what's the purpose of this business? Still, you're in this dream state, but it helps to make sure that everybody's on the same page as to why this business exists. And then I pull it back even further. Okay, once we have our why, then it's what, going to a what question. What areas are we best in class? Or what areas do we want to be best in class? That could be research, that could be web design, you could be a writer, so it could be copywriting, but what areas are you best in class? And we're just trying to bring it down even further to specialize, to niche ourselves. And then I ask a who question, who are the people that we know really well? In my case, when I was doing research, the people I knew were urban youth. And so maybe you're not focused on a demographic, right? Yeah, or, or a psychographic, because there are many agencies that are focused on, they know millennials, or they know African Americans, right? You could know a group of people, uh, or you can know industries. You know, I work with an agency, they specialize in healthcare marketing. They did a lot of other things, but really now focusing on healthcare. And that was scary at first, because they had to niche down to healthcare. But what's interesting is once you got into healthcare, the deeper you got, then you just expanded it. Before it was, oh, we're healthcare and these other things. But now that you're healthcare, they find themselves working with health centers, working with universities that are trying to increase their, their medical programs. They're working on community initiatives with about equitable healthcare. They've created this expertise now where they can go really deep. That who question is, what's the categories, industries, people? Like, who are we really great at knowing? And then how, I go how. So the four questions are really why, what, who, and how. So how is your firm differentiated? Do you have a specialized approach? So I know you do all these things, but, but why are you different? Really figuring out those differentiators just to really help people. Because as you start niching down, then people can say, all right, you've proven to me that you can solve problems that I'm experiencing. You've worked with people like me. Now, what makes you different? That's the last thing you have to solve. Once people realize that they have a need for a service that you have, why do they go with you? So that there's different ways. How is your firm differentiated? And in many ways that I would say it's, you're an expert, right? And if you're not an expert, where I always tell people is, I look at it on this spectrum. I always want people to go to expertise because when you're an expert, you're not, you have better profit margins, you're not worried about people nickel and diming you. But if you're not there, then this other side of the spectrum, which isn't quite an opposite, just an other side of the spectrum is really you're super efficient, right? It's not bad, but, and it's not even the opposite, but efficient firms are really good at just truly being efficient. And when you're efficient, then I'm looking at you for price. And, and that's the unfortunate part. And so if you're not really focused on being an expert, then the efficiency is really, oh, I get it. You're really good at this stuff and you're really fast at doing it. So I'm going to go to you because you're going to do it fast, but you got to do it for a really low price because there's a lot of other efficient firms out here. 
Yeah, or they could just go to Fiverr or something. Yeah, exactly. And that's pretty much what we see a lot of these aggregators do. That's a war of efficiency, unfortunately. If you're an expert, it's I'm not going to say you want to go there, you don't want to go there, but boy, it is a war of efficiency. Who's going to do it faster? Who has the most stars that they've done it a thousand times? That It's a tough place to be. It's like shopping on Amazon. Everybody's products right on top of each other. It's really hard to differentiate yourself. Yeah. And then people just go by the ratings. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's really tough. Which in, in many ways is what we're trying to do when we communicate on our website. We want to have these ratings, uh, but we want to control it. We want to control the narrative. Unfortunately, with those sites, you don't get to control the narrative. Jeff, you've had an uh, incredible background. It's been so fascinating. Tell the audience how they can work with you and how they can find out more about you. Absolutely. If you want to reach out to me, my website is The Mead Company. So it's my last name, themeadcompany.com. You can check me out there or then I'm most active on LinkedIn. The easiest way is to reach out to me. You could search me out, Jeff Mead, The Mead Company. Thank you so much. It has definitely been a pleasure speaking with you today. Thanks so much for being on my podcast. <laughs> Wonderful. Thank you. Hey, this is Heather. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. If you found value in the show, I'd really appreciate it if you gave me a rating on iTunes or just simply tell a friend about it. And if you're interested in learning more about my profit advising and coaching, please set up a discovery call by using the link in the show notes. All right. Thanks so much and see you next time.